Welcome to the Small Business Conversations podcast. My name is Melita Ngalungulu. Ditching your full-time job in order to pursue your dream of being an entrepreneur is not an easy decision to make. This week, we speak to Vusi Tempogwayo, who's no stranger to interviews on the business front. He has made waves internationally and he is the CEO of My Growth Fund. Vusi, thank you so much for your time. Fussy, how did you make the big move? Sure. I mean, my journey is a bit interested, interesting because it was kind of entangled. I started doing public speaking when I was at school. And then just immediately after that, I started speaking professionally. So I kind of started invoicing clients as I was, you know, uh, developing a career in corporate. Um, and then I did, kind of had my first business in oh around the you know oh six oh seven time that didn't go particularly well i got a job and immediately after that job i then started my second business so it's i've been i've been blessed in the sense that i've had opportunities all across uh, my life but we see i suppose that transitioning from a full-time job and to entrepreneurship is not an easy journey it's a tough one. I think one of the things you recognize the minute you become an entrepreneur is the the support functions you have when you're in a big corporate, right? So when you're in a big corporate and you're in operations or you're the one doing deals or transacting, there's a whole ecosystem of support. If there's a team member who's not performing, HR will support you. If there is a marketing challenge, marketing will support you. If there is an IT problem, IT will support you. When you become the entrepreneur, certainly in the early days, you are HR and marketing and IT and the rest of it. So, you know, I think that's often where many entrepreneurs actually get bogged down is they stay right at that early stage, firefighting and putting out problems and they don't allow themselves the space and latitude to grow. My recommendation, by the way, for most people who want to get into business is actually that you should get a job first. It's a great opportunity to learn how to run a business by being mentored by people who are professional managers, but also learn on somebody else's balance sheet rather than your own. see what challenges would you say that you had faced and how did you actually cope? Sure. I think, well, it depends, right? So market access is always a big challenge for most people as you launch a business it's how do you get customers and how do you how do you build a brand so that was a challenge in the early days and what i learned actually is that the answer to that challenge is just slog on that's that's all you can do is show up every single day make commitments to clients and then see those commitments through and if you if you default because you will you'll make an error sometimes that you own up to those errors every single time so so that that was a big challenge in the early days And then as we started growing, the challenge was around how do you build a business and scale it without over leveraging on your balance sheet, right? So, you know, you've got a 10 million rand opportunity, but you've only got a million rand worth of assets. How do you make sure that you can tackle that opportunity, deliver on that opportunity without tarnishing name and reputation and at the same time without over leveraging yourself as a business? So, you know, that kind of growth stage business that was an interesting one Mm. and now my challenge really is around managing complexity you know so the way i've built the business is we now have a network of partners all around the continent and it's really just around managing complexity when you realize that in delivering the product of value that you said you would deliver to your clients you don't do it alone you've got other people with whom you work and you rely on their processes and their systems to make sure that you're efficient so so that's kind of the challenge that I'm dealing with now. But the answer to each of those has been to recognize at each time where I'm capable and competent and where I lack and then onboard the competencies that you lack. 
right? So, and it's a big skill, I think, for many entrepreneurs to, to, to understand. Early days, the skill might be, you don't want to be doing the IT support yourself. But for me now, the skill is, if we're doing something in Uganda or Kenya or Tanzania, I don't necessarily understand the local nuances around legislation and regulation. So find somebody there who's going to be a partner and support you. Either way, it's about managing networks, managing relationships and making sure that you're managing expectations. Mm. You know, Fasi, when you've been working for a company for a long period, doing the same old job, you tend to lose a sense of perspective. How do you move away? How do you move away from that when you're running your own business? It isn't without a sense of difficulty. I think for the people who are front-end in most big businesses, it's easier. That's not to say it's easy, but it's easier. Mm-hmm. So if you're dealing with customers every single day and you're at the coal face of how the business works, if you're in engineering and you're the one actually delivering projects, you're at the coal face of how the organization works, it's easier for you to maintain a sense of perspectives because you're seeing the organization deliver value to customers every single day. You're at the right at the intersection between the way the internal mechanics of a business works and the way the external environment receives receives the work of those internal mechanics. For many other people who are in different parts of the organization, so say, for instance, you work in finance in an engineering firm, Mm -hmm. you can lose a sense of perspective about the world. I think the answer to that question is to practice a little bit of empathy and to try and walk through the, the... to try and experience the world through the customer's perspective and to, and, and to try and, and spot opportunities that way. This is why I'm, I'm firmly of the view that not everybody can be an entrepreneur. And I think we need to be clear about that. Mm. But also, you don't want a country that's full of entrepreneurs. You know, you want, you want the people who are going to be the people that take risks, that are mad visionaries. But then you want those people to be supported by people who understand how to mechanistically build the entrepreneur's ideas, right? So the entrepreneur goes, we're sailing from, I don't know, Europe to the Americas. How are we going to get there? I'm not sure. We're going to build this thing called a boat. And, and you know, we're going to use wind to propel us as we sail through the seas and the oceans. That's the entrepreneur. The mechanistic people go, All right, so what kind of wood are we going to use? How much labor is it going to take? How much raw materials, et cetera, et cetera. Now, without that attention to detail, mechanistically, the vision will fail. And one of the things I'm learning is how important it is to manage both the vision as well as the mechanistic details on delivery. So you have to be ruthless, absolutely ruthless on managing delivery and managing details. I promise you now, I've seen many great businesses, many great ideas, and many phenomenal entrepreneurs with great, great potential fail because they they opted out of managing detail. Detail is everything, and you have to be absolutely ruthless when it comes to managing detail. Vusi, I'm sure you'd agree with me that you also have to be ruthless when it comes to disrupting industries as well. So when you feel like you actually have come across an industry that you can actually disrupt, how do you know that this is exactly what the industry has been calling for? Yeah, great question. So because we are a company that spends its time helping entrepreneurs accelerate and build their businesses, for us, understanding what is your propensity to respond is absolutely critical and your propensity to be disruptive, absolutely critical. So we have this like model that we use in the firm and I'm happy to share it. So we believe that the key focus has to be on NPS, this thing called net promoter score that marketers talk about. How do you get it many, and, and when you do an NPS, customers will rate you on whether they're detractors, neutral or promoters. And the idea is you always want to move your customers right. So you want to move them from neutral to promoters and you want to move them from detractors to neutral. That's the idea. And then you've got to ask yourself, can we do that and at the same time deliver the product or service cheaper and better 
and faster. Mm. Now, to be tactically better than your competitor, you only actually have to do one of those things. Be cheaper or better or faster. But if you really want to be disruptive, you have to do all three of those things, cheaper mm. and better and faster. That's a very high level understanding. I have to tell you, making it work is an absolute dog show. But that's also where the magic is, right? Mm. The magic is in the delivery of that ideology. So somebody wants to create a new business in insurance and they want to disrupt the big insurance companies. They, they have to look at themselves by going, the value has to be for the client or for the end user customer, that's NPS. And how am I going to make sure that I'm cheaper or better or faster than a large organization that has the competencies, that has the economies of scale and that has a far bigger distribution than me? And if you can answer those questions, that gives you a sense generally of whether or not you have the opportunity to build something. Well, so this basically means that um, the small business owners need to learn how to take leadership. A hundred percent. I'm of the view that when you're in, when you're a small business manager, three of the most critical skills are uh, strategy, people, um, and sales. That's my own personal view. If mm-hmm. you can't perform those three roles well, you're going to battle to build your business. So strategy is important because you need to be able to see the wood through the trees. You need to be able to understand the environment you're working in. And you need to be able to smell what's happening in your ecosystem and in your environment. I remember saying internally in our own business at the beginning of lockdown, I said to them, "One, the first thing I can guarantee you is that lockdown won't be 21 days. And the second thing I can tell you for free is that many of the small marginal players will die because they don't have the liquidity or balance sheets to survive this period. I was right. Mm. But so that's a little bit about having the nuance, the strategy. It really is about how do you read the environment that you're in, what I call seeing through the corner. If you've ever driven a car around the curve and you can't see around the corner, what you want as a great entrepreneur is the ability to be able to see through the corner because that allows you to understand the speed that you can take that corner through. So that's the first bit. The second bit is everything you build requires people. That's just, it, it just is the way it is. Even in the world of fourth industrial revolution with automation and robotics, we still need people. You need people to buy into the idea, to buy into the vision, to back it, to work it, and to execute it. And so your ability to work with people is absolutely critical. Now, notice I said work with people. I didn't say be liked by people, mm. right? Some of the best, in my mind, some of the best entrepreneurs are people who are not particularly popular. And so when you're building a business, you need to make a decision about do you want to be liked or do you want to be effective? Mm -hmm. Because often those are not the same things. So that's the second part. And then the third part is around the ability to portray an idea, to communicate it effectively and get people to buy in. And that's this thing around sales. And when people... When people hear sales, they often think about the used car salesman, right? That you walk into the floor and, you know, he opens the car and lets you sit in and smell that smell of new leather, which, by the way, isn't new. It's a spray that they've sprayed on the secondhand car so that it smells new and that puts up, push up, pushes up the value of the car. But that's what most people think about. But that's not where it stops. You know, if you watch the CEO of Fortune 500 company today do a, an interview on Bloomberg 1.0, what you're realizing is that he's selling He's selling his idea, he's selling himself, he's selling his vision, he's selling the purpose for that business. And so learning to convince and sell is absolutely critical. It's clear, though, I must make the point, sales is not marketing. Those are not the same things. And many entrepreneurs make that mistake. Mm -hmm. Many entrepreneurs think that building a Facebook page or having a great logo or fantastic website is selling. That's marketing. That's branding. Selling is going, this is what I sell. Here's why you need it. And here's how much it's going to cost you. And by the way, buy now. 
these appear to be very intense skills that an entrepreneur needs to build over time. So would you say that you, when you yeah. started off in the industry, or these things that you actually knew? Sure, sure, yeah. that's an interesting question. No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I'm not sure that it, I don't think anybody's bored with those things, frankly. Mm. I think those are skills that you learn. So I learned how to sell working for a fantastic uh, uh, digital agency. I've got to tell you, mid 2000s. Right. So this is when the World Wide Web was the World Wide Wait. I used to work for this like digital agency, work for this amazing Jewish guy. And he was the most incredible salesman to this day that I've ever known. And that's why I learned how to sell. Mm. I learned strategy working at uh, Metro Cash and Carry because my part of my, my role was to be able to spot market opportunity and to build value propositions for that marketing opportunity. And so one of the things I had to learn was how do you communicate and translate strategy? So one thing to see it, to instinctively feel it, but how do you convince people? people internally in the business that they should marshal resources towards it, right? So my job was to see it. But once I'd seen it, I had to build a business case to go and convince Treasury to give me the capital, convince operations to give me the resources, convince IT to build me the technology, and then convince the board to give me the time and latitude to build that business. So that's kind of where I learned strategy. And people is a constant learning journey. I don't know of a single person that has the people thing completely on the nub, because mm -hmm. that's about understanding personalities. It's a lot about understanding character, a lot about understanding character. And i got to tell you, I still call it wrong. I still bring people into the firm who disappoint and let us down. And then I still bring people into the firm who are absolutely phenomenal. So, you know, the people one is probably the one that has the greatest sense of variation. But it's also the one where we are all constantly students. You, you are never a master of that because people by their very nature are dynamic creatures. Just before I let you go, Vusi, Three sure. tips that you would give to a person who's just started their side hustle and they're realizing that it's actually doing well and they're considering making the big move to just running the business full time. What would you say to them? So the first thing I would say is keep your costs low. It's age old sage advice. You know, if you read The Richest Man in Babylon, that's literally one of the most important pieces of advice that comes out of there. Make sure that you know what you're doing and keep your costs low. So the first thing I would say is keep your costs low. Now, it sounds easy and thematic, but it's very hard. Eh? It's hard to keep your costs low because we're human beings and we have egos. You know, so the minute you've built your business or you've got a little bit of traction, you want to go and get right the fanciest piece of real estate, the greatest, fanciest office with the most fantastic, most modern piece of furniture. Yeah, and all of those are fixed costs. And those are, you know, fixed costs that you immediately write off because you get no no return from those, right? No one's going to phone you because you're based in a particular office park. So the first point to make is keep your costs low. The second thing to say is take the long-term view. Early successes don't mean that you're going to only have successes. You will be tested. And at some point, the thing that works today will stop working. Mm -hmm. And you will have to try and find a new way to do it. So take the long-term view. And the third thing is remain teachable. The single most important thing you can do if you want to build yourself as a human being of value, frankly, if it transcends entrepreneurship, just as a human being of value, is to remain teachable. Remaining teachable is about having a sense of humility. It's about having a sense of perspective. It's about surrounding yourself with people who will take the t time to guide you and and to show you your own missteps, but also to to bring and introduce to you new ideas and new knowledge. So you're never an expert. I say this to every single person in my own business and even all the entrepreneurs that we support. 
you are never an expert. You must constantly be a white belt. Mm -hmm. The day you become an expert is the day you start to die, because that means that you presume that what you know is all there is to know. Constantly remain teachable, remain hungry. As Steve Jobs said, it's stay young, stay foolish, right? That was the idea. Remain teachable, stay a white belt, and you will do well. Fussy, thank you so much for your time. And I must say, we've learned quite a lot in this episode. I'm humbled. Thank you so much for having me. That was Vusitim Baguayo, the CEO of My Growth Fund. Listen again next week to the Small Business Conversations podcast with me, Milita Ngalongulu. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za and the MoneyWeb app. Follow MoneyWeb News on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn for updates. 